Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 105 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton. This episode is part of our Vibrant Music Studio 101 series, and this building block is called Professional. Welcome back, beautiful teachers. We're almost halfway through this foundational series. This is episode 105, and we started this in episode 101, our Vibrant Music Studio 101 series. Predictably, it started in 101. Get it? So if you want to check out the full series, you can go back to start there. Go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 101. You'll find the first episode there and also links to each episode as they come out after that, including this one. Now, if you're following along with me, you know that we've already said five foundational words, building block words, for our studios and for how we run our businesses and how we teach. Our new word for the day today is professional. What does it mean to be professional? Well, part of it we've already dealt with in the first episode, and In that one, I talked about treating your business as a business, taking yourself seriously as a business owner and embracing that identity. But being professional and behaving like a professional goes a bit beyond that as well. So that is absolutely crucial if you're going to take this step. But beyond that, what does it mean to be a professional and to be perceived as one? All of these foundational words are words that really we want people to be able to describe our studios as, or at least to agree with if if somebody else described them in that way, right? So maybe they wouldn't immediately say that, oh, it's such a professional studio. But if someone said, well, do you think they act like professionals? They would say, yes, absolutely. Right? That's what each one of these building block words is about. And the professional element is how you show off the fact that you do take your business seriously to the wider world. That's really what this is about. A big part of this is your communication. So where do you communicate with your studio families? This will vary again based on where you are, and it's not a one-size-fits-all answer. It cannot be. For me, though, email is the most important part of our communication. And I know some of you will be shaking your head and saying, my parents just don't open emails. And that might be true. That's kind of true all over the world, though. And I still prefer 
email as my first mode of contact. And I do my best to train new parents to open my emails and read them consistently. And therefore, most of them do. I still have the odd parent who, frustratingly, will say, oh, I never got that, oh, oh, I never check my emails. But I do my best to train them out of that because it is the most efficient, it is the professional standard of how we communicate as a business. And like I say, it's efficient. So you can send one email, you can even have it auto-populate the name of the person you're sending it to and still send it to multiple addresses at the same time with something like My Music Staff or other email automation software. And you can send that out to all the families in your studio at once in a much more efficient way than you can with any other technology or any other method. So I would say that's still my number one, even though some parents will say that they don't open emails or they aren't good at reading them or they will miss details. It's still the best method for me. And you need to do a bit of training around getting parents to open them. My backup option is texting and calling. I only do those when email has failed me, basically. When I haven't getting a response or when it's something last minute that they haven't replied to, I will text. If I have to have a bigger conversation with someone, I will call because that's the best method for if you need to talk something through in depth with someone. But I would say in order of preference, it goes email, text, call. Because a call is just a big commitment of my time. It might go on for a long time and I don't particularly enjoy calls. I will do them when they're the best method. I'm going to get my point across the best, but I don't love talking on the phone. Now, the communication method that I'd encourage you not to use is Facebook. Either Facebook Messenger or some people set up groups for their piano parents. The reason I would encourage you not to do this as a main method of communication is, well, number one, firstly, for me, it feels a bit too friendly, a bit too friend zone-ish is what I really mean there, as in, I don't think it's the right vibe to give off for my business. However, that's not my biggest qualm with it. And if it feels right to you in your community, I think that's fine. The more important issue with Facebook as a communication tool is that it's unreliable, especially a Facebook group or a page. If you're using that as a way to tell your parents important information, I want to encourage you to always send an email or a text as well. Because Facebook is not necessarily going to notify everyone in that group. Parents are not necessarily going to check Facebook. But also Facebook might just not show it to them, right? It's up to them what they show. And if your piano parents are not particularly engaging with your posts inside your group, then it's just going to stop showing it to them. Because what Facebook is in the business of doing is bringing people back onto its website. That is their primary goal. They do that so that they can show them ads. And if your posts do not seem to engage with people and therefore bring them back onto Facebook again or keep them there longer to show them more ads, then they are not going to show it to them. That might sound a bit creepy or a bit harsh, depending on how you look at it. Or maybe you're just saying, yes, of course, 
depending on how much you've thought about Facebook and how it runs as a business, but that is essentially their business model. You may have heard this before, but basically, if you are not buying something, if you are not paying for a product or service, like you are not with Facebook, then you are what they're selling. So that's the truth with Facebook. And if you think about it that way, of course, it's not a reliable way to communicate with studio families. So that's a bit of a tangent about Facebook and how it works. But all that to say, just make sure you are at least doubling up those communications if you are using Facebook as a handy way to get in touch with people. And I would recommend using email as your primary form of communication to be perceived more as a professional by the families in your studio. The next element of professionalism that I wanted to talk about that's quite foundational to running a studio is office hours. Many of us, self-included, I'll admit to it, are guilty of answering emails or texts or whatever communication style you choose after hours, while we're sitting on the couch in the evening or in the morning when we're supposed to be going for a walk with our dog. Right, we just check in and then, oh, well, it's only a quick reply, so I'll just do it now. But it's not the right way to run your business, and it is a recipe for burnout. I want to encourage you to set some office hours, if you don't already have them, today, and then stick to them. So make sure when you're setting these office hours that they are realistic. If you say to yourself, okay, my office hours, I'm only going to answer emails, calls, and texts between 10 and 10.30 in the morning, well, that's going to be impossible to stick to for most people. So don't set something completely unrealistic. Maybe it's, okay, I don't answer anything outside of 9 to 5, or maybe it's 9 to 9 for you. Maybe you need to be a bit looser at at first. But whatever you set, you need to be able to stick to it. And if you're having a lot of trouble sticking with something like this, especially in the evening, I find that's when a lot of people have trouble. It's easy to sort of not open things and not get started in the morning, I find. But in the evening, it can be hard to switch off. So if that's you, I want to give you a little experiment to try. Try creating a shutdown ritual. So this is a little trick I learned from a book. And it's a little bit silly, but that's kind of why it works. So the author in the book actually says something like initiating shutdown mode or something. Like acts like a robot computer. And if you're silly like me, Maybe you'll like to do something like that. But if you're not in that way inclined, if you don't want to get that silly, just some kind of ritual that means that you're finishing for the day. So for example, if your studio is in a separate room in your house, it could just be closing the door. Like once you have officially closed the door or flipped the sign or turned off the digital piano or turned off your computer or closed your agenda book, right? Just One simple action that means I am finished and you always do it last and after that you don't work. I'm not going to be able to stop your mind from worrying in the background but if you build this as a habit it will become more consistent in terms of you being able to focus on other activities after you've shut down your work for the day. So if you do struggle with this that's something to try but whether you do that or not I'd encourage you to set some office hours that you can stick to. The final element about your professionalism and your communication style 
is going to sound specific, but it actually applies to so many issues that I see teachers coming across. And that's, don't ask, recommend. I find myself telling people this a lot in various different contexts. Teachers end up asking families to do something when really what they should be giving them is a professional recommendation. One example of this is switching lesson lengths or lesson formats. When it comes time for your student to move up to a longer lesson time, or if you're switching your whole studio over to buddy lessons or something like that, do not ask them. Do not say, oh, would you like to try this new thing? Because honestly, they will say no, most of them. Most people don't want to try new things because they already know the old thing and it seems fine to them. Whereas if you recommend and you treat it as if it's something they're ready for now that they've reached a certain stage or it's a new exciting thing that you're offering and you recommend it for Susie, they're much more likely to go for it, much less likely to go against it because it becomes the default. The default is just to go with your professional recommendation and it makes you look better and it makes you look like you put thought and planning into your lessons, which I'm sure you do. So that's not just for lesson formats, that's for exams. I don't ask if my students would like to skip this exam or do this exam. I recommend when they should and I let them know that I will recommend when they should so they can leave it with me, basically. Or if you want them to buy a new book, or if you want them to attend a workshop, do online lessons, whatever is happening. If you recommend it, they're much more likely to go for it than if you ask. And it's a much more professional stance to take as a teacher. So those are three areas that I think you can be a bit more professional or think about how, how your professionalism comes across to your students and their parents, where you communicate, which avenues you choose, your office hours and how strictly you set them and stick to them, and your recommendations as a professional teacher. If any of those made you wince a little bit or made you feel really uneasy because you don't feel confident enough to recommend a certain course of ac action, I want to encourage you to fake it till you make it. A lot of things come back to that as sole trader, someone who works for themselves or runs their own studio, runs their own business of any kind. You need to just act as if sometimes. Go for it. Pretend you feel confident and eventually actually you will feel confident. That's kind of a little psychology trick for you there. Give it a go. Let me know how you get on with it in the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers group. And let me know what you think of this series so far. We're almost halfway through. It's been a fun one to put together. I hope you've been enjoying it. Let me know what you think of it in the Facebook group. I'd love to see you there. Early on in this pandemic, I decided to keep the podcast a pandemic panic free zone as teachers look for a bit of respite from what's going on in the world right now. And that's going to continue. But if you do need access to resources, we absolutely have them available for you to help you improve your online teaching game, to get you set up, to help you with whatever you need. So if you're not a member, you can sign up using the coupon code online right now. You can use that for monthly membership and it will get you one week 
trial to the membership for just $1 so that you can test it out and get access to the resources that you need. Games for online teaching, creative ideas and tech help as well. If you are a member, all you need to do is jump over to the library or into our community forums and we'll be able to help you there. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.